0: Welcome to the Exchange Church podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following message is from our lead pastor, Jared Brooks. If you will, stand to your feet this morning. We're going to start in the Word of God. We're going to start with the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there to chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow us on Sky Bible. If you're taking notes, there's going to be a lot of notes today. I'm going to uh, spit fire through a lot of information. But I really, really know that today could literally change eternity for people this morning. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter number two, starting with verse number eight, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast father we pray right now that you seal this in our hearts god lord this morning if there was ever a word that we had to to grab hold of and live and 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 make it our our banner god it's this word so i pray the the prophetic word of the holy spirit come into this house and speak to every heart god i ask right now that that you give us eyes to see inside of ourselves lord so that we'll understand that we're in need of a savior and that savior is jesus christ and we thank you for that. And we receive it this morning. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are, we, are we are unhindered. We are unhindered. That's our banner. That's what the banner says. We are unhindered. And we believe that. And this year, we believe that God has spoken to us and He has declared that the exchange church shall live a life unhindered. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to be unhindered in everything that I do, everything that I say, everything that I touch, I pray that it's unhindered. I pray that my family is unhindered. I pray that my church is unhindered. I pray that, that my businesses are unhindered. I just pray that everything, that I just live this life unhindered. And we pray that over you. Acts 28, we shared this last week. Acts 28 verse 30. I know we threw a lot of people off last week. Um uh when we started tag teaming, and y'all didn't have a clue. Uh I was talking to one family and she said, You went black church on us. <laughs> yes, I did, as a matter of fact. But uh, so we started tag team, we tag teamed this last week, and Acts 28, verse 30 says, and he stayed, and this is talking about Paul, and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters. And was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. Everybody say unhindered. unhindered. The last word in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28, the last book, the last word, the word is akaludos, okay? That's the Greek word, and it literally means unhindered or unstoppable, okay? Now, the writer is Luke. This is the sequel to his book, the Gospel of Luke. This is his sequel. So Luke writes Acts, and he's talking about Paul. And he tells us that Paul is a prisoner in his own house. He's under house arrest. He is chained up in his own house. And he's having to pay the rent for his own house. He just was shipwrecked not too long ago. He's on trial by the wicked Emperor Nero. Okay, So he's about to be beheaded. That's a bad day, right? So you had a bad day. No, okay. So he is, he's just having a bad day. Now, a lot of you, we think we have bad days. This guy is having a bad day. Paul is having a bad day. And the Bible says he's chained up in his house. Everything's going wrong. He's on trial. He's about to die. And it says he welcomed everybody preaching the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. And he's teaching Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he was unhindered okay, Paul saw himself as unhindered, unstoppable, okay, I'm not telling you this year that there's not going to be any chains, Paul had chains, I'm not telling you, you're not going to feel like a prisoner in your, home, in your own home at times, you're going to have hindrances this year, but the difference is, is Paul lived, and he pushed through, and he pushed through, and he never let anything stop him from moving into the presence of the Holy Spirit, amen, He attached himself to the spirit of God. We talked about it last week, which was unhindered. You need to attach yourself to something this morning that is unhindered. And that's not the exchange church. Amen. Come on. That's not the exchange church. That's not your spouse. I got less amens because some of you are afraid to say it in front of her because she's going to slap you. It's not your spouse that you need to attach. You have to attach yourself to the spirit of God. The spirit of God is unstoppable. Amen. And through that when we do that, we'll live a life victorious and we will go through 2017 unhindered. Hallelujah. Amen. That will be a great day. And I this 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 year I proclaim that I will live a life unhindered. Okay? Now whether we do as a church or not, that's really up to you. God's vision for my life. We started last week. We talked about unhindered. We we spoke about unhindered, but this Today, we're going to start a series, and it's called God's Vision for My Life, okay? God's Vision for My Life. I want you to understand, this is going to be our vision statement for the year. It's something that we're going to say a lot. We're going to teach a lot. I want you to write it down, if you can. Put it in your notes of your phone. Take a picture is what a lot of you do when we show screen uh, slides up there. Take a picture of the screen, whatever you need to do. But I want you to get this. Here it is. To see people saved, healed, healed set free, discipled, equipped, empowered, and serving. Okay, last year at Easter, we talked about that being saved and and set free and redeemed and and, and then living out this life. We're really going to break it down into seven spots this year to see people saved. We want to see people truly saved, knowing who God is. We want to see people healed physically, mentally, emotionally of all the baggage that that has been attached to people. We want to see people set free. Amen? See, some people are like that. They're like the children of Israel. They get out of slavery, and they're set free, and they're like, we want to go back. (laughs) Because it gives them some kind of sense of belonging or something. I I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back to Egypt, okay? I don't want to go back. I want to be set free. We want to disciple people, have people discipled. We want to be a disciple-making church. We want to equip people. We want to empower people, and we want people to serve, learn to serve with the gifts that God's given them. Amen? Amen. I don't believe that you can truly live a life (coughs) unhindered until you hit all seven of these, until you reach these. So we're going to go through this this week, and we're going to talk about what it is to live a life unhindered, but God's vision for my life. So are you in it? Come on, you in? Now, listen, I'm telling you, this is going to be seven weeks starting today. We're going to give you seven keys. And if you catch this, it'll change your life. And so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to do your very best to be faithful the next seven weeks. Okay? Now, I know that statistics say in America that people who come to church once a month consider themselves faithful. And I get that. But we're not going to just teach this once a month. We're going to spend the next seven weeks and we're going to break it down. So I'm going to ask you to do the very best you can to commit. Be faithful because I want us to live a life unhindered. And I'm choosing to do that. As for me and my house, that's what we're going to do. Amen? So today we're going to talk about the first part of God's vision for my life. The first part right there, you can see it, is saved. Number one, saved. There was a preacher... He was in the ocean, and he was on a boat, and he fell overboard. The boat just kept going, didn't know he fell overboard. And he's just waving his arms around. He can't swim. He realizes that, that he can kind of float a little bit in the ocean. Thank God for that. And especially those of us that are bigger, we float better. And so he's flopping around the ocean, and this, this ship comes by, and this guy sees him, and he says, Hey, hey, do you need help? He says, No, no, I'm a, I'm a minister. God said he's going to save me. He showed me he's going to save me. It's okay. He just goes on by. The preacher bobs and he floats for a little while. And all of a sudden, another boat sees him and pulls over there by him. It's a fisherman. He says, Hey, you need help? We'll throw you a line. He says, No, no, I'm a minister. God's going to save me. And the boat pulls on out. The preacher bobs for a minute and then he drowns. And he goes to heaven. He's standing before God and he says, God, why didn't you save me? And God said, I sent you two boats, fool. So I'm not going to assume this morning that you understand what it means to be saved, what that word saved means. But I do want to share some things. First Corinthians chapter number one, verse 18, it says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's talking about right now, present tense, being saved, it is the power of God. It's very important that you notice what it says. It says being saved. Right now, being saved, present tense. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved. That's future tense. He himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And then the scripture that we started with at the very beginning today Ephesians chapter 2, it says, for by grace you have been saved. Okay, that's past tense. Through faith and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So now you have to notice something here. That salvation, being saved, is by grace through faith. Okay, okay. By grace through faith. It's important that you catch that and you understand it. Lest anyone should boast. That means when we get to heaven, nobody's going to be walking around heaven going, Wow, look at this house. We built this house on solid gold. You know, nobody's going to be going around heaven saying, Can't stop praising my name. No, I just can't stop. Praising my name. No, I just can't stop. Praising my name. name. Jerry. Wow. I'm the man. Look at what I did. Look at what I did. I made it to heaven because I'm the man. That's not the way it's going to be. The Bible says that everybody, everybody that makes it to heaven, they're going to realize, they're going to understand that it is by grace, through faith, it's not of works, lest anyone be bragging about it. We start bragging about it saying, look at what I did. Look at what we did as a church. Look at all these people that we touched. That's not how it works. Now, let me ask you a question. You may not know the answer to this, but I want want you to get this. We go back to those three scriptures, and it says, Those of us who are being saved, present tense, will be saved, future tense, and have been saved, past tense. So, the question is this. Are you being saved? Will you be saved? Or have you been saved? Okay? Okay. If you don't know the answer to that, you really need to catch this. The answer is yes, absolutely. You have been saved. You will be saved if you have been saved. Okay, you get that? The word is past tense here, saved. I want to talk to you about what it is to be saved. You have to understand you have to be saved if you're going to live a life unhindered. Now, to understand that, you have to understand that God is a true being, okay? He's made up of, th- of three parts. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we at The Exchange, we believe in that. We believe, that. we believe in the Holy Trinity. We believe that God exists in three persons, that those three persons are all powerful. They're all knowing. These, these three beings have, have, have all the power in the world, but they're made up by one person. Three parts. And the easiest way to explain that is to, to, to identify it to water. Okay? So we understand that water, you take water, it can be a liquid that you drink. It could be a gas that you heat up and it turns into steam. Or it could be a solid, which you freeze, right? But no matter what you do to it, it's still H2O. That's what it is. And, and it's two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. Right? Right? You're, they're like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Whatever. <laughs> Teenagers. Don't y'all remember what that was like? Oh, man. There's no cares in the world. <laughs> whatever, man. I guess. H2. Yeah, I heard it somewhere. Somewhere. And they talked about it. I thought that was funny. but. And, and that's the way the, the Holy Spirit is. That's the way the Trinity is. That means that God exists in the distinct co equal persons of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but they share the fully divine essences, meaning all three have the eternal nature, the same unchangeableness, the same majesty, and the same power. And they're distinct in their relationship with each other and in their function to us and their role in creation and the plan of redemption and salvation. So I want you to get that this morning. Just like the Holy Spirit exists in three persons, we also exist. We are true in beings. We are made up of... Put the diagram up here. If you can see this diagram. We're made of a body, soul, and a spirit. You can find this in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to know that our bodies will be saved, or our bodies will be saved in the resurrection, okay? The Bible tells us that we get a brand new body. Thank God for that, amen? I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to that day, because this body hurts. This body's not doing too bueno, okay? Uh, I hurt. And the Bible tells us that there's going to be a day that we're going to die and we're going to receive a brand new body. And we're going to have a perfect body in heaven. Thank the Lord. I already know what my perfect body looks like when I get to heaven. Looks like this. When I get to heaven, I'm going to receive a perfect body. We're all going to receive perfect body. We're all going to receive perfect bodies. Pastor Kevin, you're even going to have a perfect body. Pastor Eddie's going to have a perfect body. Yeah? Even Pastor Jose's going to have a perfect body. Incarnacion. Man, I totally lost where I was going. At some point, like it or not, this physical body is going to die. Amen? This body is going to die. I gave myself to Christ. I died to myself and I gave myself to Christ. And one day this physical body is going to die. Jesus is going to come back and he's going to say, you know what? I've been living inside of you for long enough. Now you're going to live with me. My body is going to hit the ground. It's going to die. They're going to have a funeral for me. Somebody's going to show up. I hope. That's one of my biggest fears. Nobody's going to show up to my funeral. And why I should care, I don't know. But I do care. Let me tell you. But... It's talking about our bodies are saved and our spirit, when our spirits have been saved. This is talking about the second part, which is the soul, okay? So we're going to put up the diagram again. Our souls are actually made up of three parts. Our mind, will, and emotions. The Bible goes into great detail regarding the salvation of our soul, which should occur after spiritual salvation. The scriptures are very clear that this effort this takes effort or striving for the soul salvation. Okay. So this, this takes work. James 1:21 says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Okay. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, their spirit is regenerated, their spirit is born again. Okay. Yet we still have some carnal attachments to our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions that we have to work through. Amen. It's like when they pulled the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were saved out of Egypt, but they weren't set free yet. There were still some carnal things that were attached inside of them that they had to work through. That's why our souls working through salvation is a continual process okay it's a continual process that's why the verse of the month for january that pastor kevin mentioned last week and i want you to say this with me is romans 12:2 ready and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your by the renewing of your that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god look at that word renewing Okay, the renewing, it's present tense, which means it's taking place right now. We're renewing right now the mind. And then it has the ing, which means that it's a continual process. Okay, did you know that right now Pastor Kevin and Lisa are still going through a continual process of renewing their mind? Pastor Cody. For you young people, did you know that he is still going through a process where he is renewing his. It never stops for us in the in the kingdom of God. It never stops. We never get to a place where we're like, wow, I'm done with my renewal process. This is great. Okay, we are constantly having our mind renewed. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 18 was talking about when it said for the message of the cross is foolishness. To those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved. Okay. It's the present tense. Being saved. It is the power of God. So our bodies will be saved. Our soul. Which is our mind, will, and emotions. Are being saved. Which leaves one more part for us to talk about. Our bodies will be saved. Our souls are being saved. When our spirits have been saved. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, this is where we started this morning. For by grace you have what? Been, okay? For by grace you have been saved. I love that. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. To understand that, you have to understand the word saved. The word saved in Greek is sodzo. Sozo. Okay, it's spelled S-O-Z-O, but it's pronounced sozo. That means to be made whole. To be made whole. To be made whole in body, soul, and spirit. To actually be made perfect. Wow. To be made perfect. So we're going to have a perfect body when we get to heaven. You saw mine. I want you to imagine what yours might look like. You're going to have a perfect body when you get to heaven. Our souls are being saved, being made perfect. But when you see, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your spirit is perfect. It is saved. Amen? Isn't that exciting? So the important thing I want you to know, and I want you to be able to testify about this. I want you to be able to share this because this is exciting. And why people wouldn't want to grasp this makes no sense to me. But our spirits have been saved. That's past tense. That's only when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Only when you receive this free gift. So it talks about when your spirit has been saved, past tense, but it takes, a, it takes a commitment now. It takes a step now. Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by one offering, it's talking about Jesus when he died on the cross, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Those who are being sanctified. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. See, Jesus paid the full price for all of our sins. And there's nothing you can do to add to it or to take away from it. What he did was complete. It was perfect. That's why when he said, it is finished, it was finished. And we believe in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. So for the next couple of moments, we're going to talk to you about what it means to be saved. God's vision for my life. Number one is to be saved. So here's seven things I want to mention to you quickly about what it means to be saved. (coughs) Number one, it is a gift. It is a gift. You have to get this in your head. I'm telling you, church, we, we can't say this enough and you can't believe this enough. You can't repeat this enough to get this in your head. But salvation is a goal to achieve, not a gift to receive. I said that backward. Salvation is not, after I said it, I was like, not a gift. Wait, did I say not a gift? Did you just say that? Salvation is not a goal to achieve. It is a gift to receive. Okay? You can't have it both ways. If it's grace, then it's not works. If it's works, then it's not grace. Romans 11, 16 says, eleven six says, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it's of works, then it's no longer grace. Otherwise, works is no longer works. So here's another way to think about grace and works. Grace would be a gift. Works would be earned. It's what Romans eleven six is talking about. It says, if it's a gift, then you can't pay for it. Okay? If it's a gift, you can't earn it. Otherwise, it's no longer a gift. That's the way salvation is. So... I have this that I bought, and Eric, I want to give this to you. It's a virtual reality headset. It has the eyepiece and the headphones. It has a little remote control. It is awesome. And I want to give this to you to be a blessing. And I have the receipt. I'll give it to you, and it's $69.99. Okay, so if you give me $69.99, I want to give this to you as a gift because i love you dude. Now i'm not i'm i eat the tax. So just 69.99. You can give me a cash or check, it doesn't matter. But these are yours dude. You whenever you want to pay for it, they are yours cuz i love you man. I want to bless you. This is my gift to you. And if you want to see the receipt, i got the receipt it's in my office. And so you can have the receipt and if you want to get get mom loan you some money, whatever. But this is yours. For $69.99, okay? So I'm going to hook you up because I love you. Because that's a gift from me to you. Right? That's how we look at salvation sometimes. We look at salvation the same way. that, That it's something that we have to earn. It's something that we have to work for. It's something that we deserve. Okay? We deserve salvation. You can't pay for salvation. Okay? You couldn't do it before you got saved and you can't pay for it after you get saved. And because of a lot of bad teaching in the church of America, we think that we have to work for it. We go back and forth every day trying to figure out if we're saved or not. If we were good enough today or not. And we, have we earned salvation or not? Is he proud of me today or not? Right? I mean, That's the way I've lived my whole life as I walk into church every week. When I was growing up, every week I would walk into church, and on my way up to the front door, I would say, God, forgive me of all my sins, because I'm messed up. And I couldn't even think of any specific things, but I knew that the preacher was going to hit on something, because they always did, and they were going to hit on something. And whatever they hit on, I did it, I'm sure. Okay, he talked about lying. I did it, I'm sure. He talked about gospel. I'm like, probably. Talk about lust. I'm like, uh-huh. He talks about everything. I'm like, I know, right? So every Sunday I had to get saved. And I walked, so I got smart. I figured it out. If it's so easy to get saved, all you do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Well, then I'm going to walk in and say, God, I'm so sorry. I've sinned this week. And I would get right with God before we ever came in. That way, when they gave the altar cross, like, he's talking to everybody else. I'm right. I got right. 2 <laughs> Timothy 1.9 says, and it's talking about Jesus who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. That means according to his own plan. It was his idea which was given to us in Christ Jesus when... Before time began, way before time began, there is nothing. Listen, God wants you to be clear that salvation was not ours to accomplish. It had nothing to do with your efforts. You didn't work for it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't righteous your way into this, okay? Before you even thought about it, before you were even a thought in existence, he had a plan and he paid the price before time even began, okay? Before you even started sinning. What? Before you even started messing up, he paid the price for you. He saved you before you had a chance to even sin. Come on, think about all the sins you committed before he died on the cross. Just think about them. I know it's tough, but think about all those sins you committed before he died on the cross. He didn't. You didn't. God made it plain to us that salvation occurs apart from our efforts by securing it before you even existed. He secured the price of salvation before you even existed It existed in it. Number two, I want to hit this real fast. The first one is it's a gift. The second one is it's eternal life. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages, think about that. Wages, that's something you work for, okay? Monday through Friday, a lot of us work. We work for our wages. It's something you earn. And he's saying here, the wages of sin, the things that we work for, they're death. You've earned death. Congratulations, okay? You've earned judgment. You've earned punishment. But the gift... This free thing that he's passing out. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. 1 John 2.25 says, And this is the promise that he has promised us. Eternal life. Can God lie? If God cannot lie, and he says this is the promise that he's promised us. Eternal life. So he is guaranteeing you, he is sealing you with a guarantee of eternal life after salvation. So now the question is, how long is eternity? Okay, a lot of people think that eternity starts when when we die. Okay, listen, eternity starts when you die to yourself. When you die to yourself and you allow Jesus Christ to come into your life. Eternity starts at that moment. When you give your life to Christ, he comes in and he takes full charge. He takes over your spirit and he gets in control and he has lived among us. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I can live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, a long time ago, when I gave my life to Christ, I died to myself. I died to myself. I gave myself up. And I began to live for him. When I did that, he began to seal something inside of me. And he bought me. His spirit came in, and he bought me. He gave me eternal life. Okay? So when you look at me right now, when I die right now, and you all come to my funeral. Amen. All come. Y'all would even take off work come to my funeral. Amen? I know Mike would. Mike would be at my funeral. <laughs> as long as the Texans are playing. Or well, they're not playing. Tomorrow. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. Too soon. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I take that back. I take it back. I'm just saying you can come now. So we're all good. It's getting hot in here. But right now, I'm a dead man walking, okay? I have died to myself. It is done. It is finished, over and done with. So you have to realize that salvation is a gift. It is eternal life. And number three, it is forgiveness. Mm-mm-mm. Some of you may have been great your whole life. Good kid. You never did anything wrong. That's why your kids are perfect, because you were Perfect. But I didn't have that journey when I was growing up. I wasn't that great of a, a kiddo, you know. I had my moments. I had my moments where I was good. But, man, I was a typical preacher's kid in a lot of ways. I knew how to go to school. And, man, I could say everything I wanted to say and do this. And I'd come home and i act a totally different way. And I'd go to church. I knew when to lift my hands so they'd keep all the, the religious people off my back, you know. As if, if you just stand there and never move, they wonder why you're... You're, what's wrong with you and God? And so, man, I just had this all down, and uh, but I didn't live it all right. And I thank God for forgiveness. Amen. Amen? I thank God for forgiveness. Acts thirteen thirty eight says, therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, that through this man, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. Jeremiah 31, 34 says, I will forgive their iniquities and their sins. I will remember how long? No more. more. He says no more. He says, I'm going to forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sins. No more. In Psalms it says, I will cast them as far as the east is from the west. That's a long ways. You cannot travel far enough east to finally run into west. You can't do it. You can travel in the United States and get to the east side or the west side. But when you circle this globe, you go east as long as you want. It's still going to go east. You're just going to keep going east. And, then, and he says, I will, I will cast your sins as far as east is from the west removed. I will remove your transgressions. Hebrews 10 verse number 16 says this. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds. I will write them. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Forgiveness is a complete release of the penalty which you deserve. Okay? Remember that wages of sin in Romans 6, it says the wages of sin, the things that you've earned. See, forgiveness is the total payment for that penalty of sin it's not a little bit of a release it's not forgiving some of your sins or depending on how big or how great or how often your sin is it is a total forgiveness of your sins a total release what Jesus did on the cross he chose to remember our sins no more (coughs) God can remember our sins if he wanted to but because what Jesus did he chooses to remember our sins no more thank God amen Come on, some of y'all are looking at me like y'all don't have anything to be thankful for. I have a lot to be thankful for. I'm glad. I thank God that he's not holding my sins against me. I thank God that the wages that I've earned, he's not holding against me. And he has given me a total clean slate. And it's called forgiveness. And that's part of salvation. Right, right, right. Hebrews 10.10 says, by that we We will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And listen to this. And every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he has offered one sacrifice for all sins forever... Okay, this man won. He did it one. <laughs> what we try to do is we try to offer all these sacrifices and try to make it work. And we try to save ourselves by doing good works and giving things. And Jesus, by one sacrifice, one sacrifice, he came and he did it once and for all forever. 2,017 years ago, he paid a price for you and for I once and for all sins. So that means my future sins are covered? Even the ones I haven't committed? Absolutely. Your sins, everything you've done was in the future. Everything you've done was, was, was after the cross. He paid a price before you were even thought of. That's the power of the cross. When you hear people talking about the power of the cross and, and what that means, I don't think, we say it because it's very churchy. Amen, hallelujah, the power of the cross, oh, hallelujah, praise God, right? But we don't really get the power of the cross, that he sealed something. He made a plan, and he sealed it before you were even born, and he paid a price for everything that you were about to do. Forgiveness, salvation is forgiveness. Number four, it is justification. Being saved is being justified in the sight of God. Romans 3.24 says, Being justified freely by grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Notice, justified is freely. Again, it's freely. You've got to understand that you can't earn it. You can't pay for it. It was freely given to you. Salvation, you can't earn it. Okay, <laughs> You being here this morning did not score you points towards Salvation. Amen? Some of you are thinking, why should have slept in? Galatians 2, 16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, but by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. No flesh shall be justified only by faith in Jesus Christ. Justified means just, okay? We serve a just God. It's where we get the word justice. So you've got to understand that justice is Him sentencing you to heaven. Because you believe, because you had faith by grace, your faith through Jesus Christ, He sentenced you to heaven. That's justice. Okay, because he paid a price for your sins. 2 Peter 2.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Let me tell you something. Hell was not created for you. People ask all the time, if God is so loving, if God is love, then why does he send people to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. gets real quiet. God doesn't send anybody to hell. That's why he does not do that. He just said it. I I am patient with you. I am patient. And my will is that nobody perishes. God created hell for one person. And that was Satan himself. And then all his little demons. His posse. Okay? Hell was never created for you. You weren't intended to go to hell. God's will is that no one perish. He has patience for you. God in his grace... Wants to send you to heaven. That's the kind of God that we serve. He demonstrates his own love for us. And that while you were still sinners. In the middle of your sin. In the middle of your ugliness. When you deserved the worst. He died for you. He died for you. Since Christ Jesus died for us. He paid the price in full. That's being justified. He sentenced us to heaven. That's being justified. He paid a price that wasn't his price to pay. He took it on and he justified us. Number five, saved is righteousness. Romans 4.3 says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. It doesn't mean doing right. Jesus did right. And because Jesus did right, we have righteousness with God. Right standing with God. See, what it, what it boils down to is, is it says Abraham was accredited. Okay, he, It was put into his account. He was given credit for because he believed. So you have a, you have a spiritual bank account. Okay, we all have a spiritual bank account. And in that spiritual bank account, we're racking up sin. Okay, we're making deposit, sin deposit, sin deposit, sin deposit. And, and then we come to church and we're like, you know what, man, I just, I need to stop doing this. I got to change my life. I don't need to live like that anymore. And we try to put on righteousness, but we never make a, a change. We never have a past tense experience. And so it says, the Bible says that your righteousness is like filthy rags. Okay, so we're just trying to put on righteousness and it's not sticking. We got all this sin, all the sin, all the sin. And then John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So Jesus, he came into this planet and he lived a perfect life. He was without sin. He was spotless, lived a perfect life. And his account was full of righteousness. Full of righteousness. And God said. Before you and I were even a thought into existence. God said you know what I got a plan. And so what I'm going to do is. I'm going to send my son to the cross. And he's going to pay. So God took all all of the sin. Out of our account. And he put it in Jesus account. And he took Jesus righteousness. And he put it into our account. (laughs) And so all of a sudden we've been made perfect. We have all this righteousness in our account. And all the sin went into Jesus' account. And sometimes we try to do good things. We try to do righteousness. And, and it didn't work. But Jesus comes on the scene. And all of a sudden, all this righteousness goes into our account. My sin was put into his account. And the Bible says that he's found guilty. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made himself who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become The righteousness of God. Okay? The man who knew no sin. He became sin so that you could know righteousness. So that I could know righteousness. Isn't that Righteousness so that I could be in right standing with God. Jesus came and he became sin. He didn't just take on the sin. He became the sin so that you could have righteousness. That's powerful. When Abraham believed, God put righteousness in his account. You have to understand that it's a choice. Every person in this world, their sin has been paid for. Isn't that unbelievable? That's that's a hard pill to swallow. Every person in this world, their sin is already covered. Their sin is paid for. So why are people going to hell? John 3, 36, it says, he that believes has life, and he that doesn't believe does not have life. Isn't it crazy that God's already paid a price? He's already paid the price for everybody's sin, every sin in the world, our past, present, future sins. He's paid a price, but it takes somebody to say, I believe, I accept that number 6 it's redemption we read romans uh 324 earlier and says being justified freely by his grace through the redemption is in christ jesus now 1 corinthians 619 says this or do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god and you are not your own verse number 20 says for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are gods. Okay? That's part of redemption. That's what redemption means. The word redeem means to purchase back. Okay? So, so when the world was created, God creates Adam and Eve, and he gives Adam and Eve the deeds to this planet. And Adam and Eve messed it up, and they lost that to the devil himself. Sin comes into this world and now Satan's controlling and he's running everything. And God comes up with this plan and he says, I'm going to buy it back. I'm going to buy it back and I'm going to pay a price. And he took it back. He redeemed us. He bought us back. He made us in his own image. You were created in the image of God. You have a will and you can choose whether or not you want to serve God. So although we were redeemed and purchased back, we have to choose to walk in that. Everyone, every car that's driving by right now in front of me. Every person at the restaurant that you go to after church, every every person that you see at work tomorrow, they've been redeemed. They've been bought back. There's been a price that's already been paid for them. They have to choose to walk in that, to live in that. Because you've been bought back, you've been redeemed. So I'm going to close with this, if the band could come back. this If you're listening, if you're catching this at all, you're understanding that it's a free gift, that it's eternal life, it's forgiveness, it's being justified, it's righteousness. All of this sounds so awesome, doesn't it? It sounds so incredible. And and if you don't understand everything that I'm saying, you need to go back and listen to the podcast and listen to it a little bit slower because I'm spit firing this. But I'm telling you, this is so good. So so what's the catch? There is a catch. It's number seven. The catch is this. It's a total commitment. A lot of people want fire insurance because we just don't want to go to hell. So we try to go to church in hopes that that will help us not go to hell. Let me tell you something. Going to church won't help you not go to hell. Okay? Luke 6.46 says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? Why are you just going through the motions? You say that I'm Lord, but yet you're totally in control of your own life. You haven't let me be in control of anything. Matthew 7, 21. Now, I really want you to get this. Listen. Listen closely. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It says, many are going to say, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not do that? He's not talking about the world. He's not talking about all the people out there driving by this morning. He's talking to the church. All those people driving by, they're not saying, hey, have we not prophesied? Have we not cast out demons? That's what church people say right? Didn't we come to church on Sundays God? Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that God? (laughs) Wasn't I a good person? And God says depart from me I never knew you He's talking about the fact that there's going to be a lot of church people who don't make it who never see heaven because they didn't make a choice to live for Him They didn't have this past tense experience where they got saved, where they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Let me tell you, all this great stuff that I talked about, it's yours. It's here. It's easy. It's great. But it comes with a commitment. It comes with a commitment that we allow him to be Lord over our lives. Verse 23, it says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. He's not saying that I knew you, but I'm not. I'm going to forget about you. He's not saying I'm not going to know you anymore. He says, I never knew you. You know what that means? They never had a past tense experience. We can know this morning in this church, in this house, when we walk out of this door, we read the verse that said, these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. Jesus has given us a guarantee for eternity. Grace is His part, but faith is your part. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a chicken coop makes you a chicken. There's going to be people missing. If you're going to live a life unhindered in 2017... The first step is salvation. To know you're saved. He's already paid the price. He's already done all the work. He's already uh, done everything. The, the catch is this. Just like Abraham. He was accredited because he believed. He believed. It's that confessing of our mouth and, and, and believing in our heart that Jesus died for us. And, and he rose again. He, he forgave all of our sins. We accept that. We receive that. Everything in our life is changed because it's a free gift. I I cannot tell you how many times. Yesterday, it happened to me again. Uh, I was driving. I went and, and took my son to his grandma's house. On the way back, there's a... The guy is selling firewood in front of his house, and he had stacked up. So I stop, and I go in. I'm talking to him. He comes out. He's like 6'5". Six, he's 60 years old. He doesn't have a shirt on. He's got a little belly hanging out. And and uh, he's a super nice guy. His name's Gary. And we just start talking, and I end up inviting him to our MMA event. And Ted DiBiase, we just start talking, and he goes, he said, I'm Catholic. Can I come to your church? I said, yeah, you better believe it. And he goes, nah, nah, I'm going to come to your church, preacher. I tell you, I'm, I'm a man of my word. I'm going to come to your church. But he said, I need to get a haircut, I need to shave, and I need to get rid of all my sh. And I said, you don't need a haircut, you don't need to shave, you don't need to get rid of all your sh. I said, it's a free gift, man. God loves you so much. And he goes, yeah, but I know. I know how church people are. You walk in, I walk in like this. I said, no, that's not how church people are. There's some people like that, not just church people, people, period, in and out of church. And I said, you walk into our church, people just love you. And I said, because we've all got it. We've all done it. We've all messed up. He said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to come to your church. And I said, man, I'm going to look for you. And I said, now i got your number, so I'm going to start texting you reminders it's a free gift it's a free gift and the problem is a lot of us receive that gift and then we just start doubting it we start doubting it because immediately we go back to churchy religion that tells us you have to earn it you have to earn it well man I've missed church for about two or three months I was talking to one of my old Bible school students and he lives in Wichita Falls. We were talking. He said, man, Pastor Jared, I had to get right with God this week, man. I haven't been praying the last couple months. And I said, you had to get right with God? And he's like, yeah. And I said, how did, how did you get wrong with God? Tell me that. And he goes, well, you know, I just hadn't been praying like I should and all this. And I said, okay, let's go to the story of the prodigal son. Okay? The prodigal son goes to his dad and he tells him, I want all my money. I want everything. And he leaves. And he just goes and squanders it all. And I said, at what point... Did he stop being a son in the father's eyes? Well, I mean, I guess he didn't. And I was like, no, there's never a point when, when the dad took, gave him all his money, the dad didn't go, you're no longer my son. When he ran off, the dad didn't say, you're no longer my son. When he came back, the dad didn't say, you're no longer my son. He came back, and the Bible says he came back, and he told his dad, man, I'll be a servant. I'll be a servant. You go put me out there to work because I'm not worthy to be your son. What did dad say? No, you're my son. You're my son. We're going to sell. You never stop being my son. When you give your life to God, when you accept this free gift of salvation, it's over. You never stop being a son in God's eyes. He's never mad at you. He never goes, oh, well, that was too soon. I shouldn't have adopted him so fast. Jenica, she's not my biological daughter, in case you didn't know. Shocker. There is nothing. I picked her. She didn't pick me. I wasn't walking through an orphanage one day, and she ran up and said, will you be my dad? I picked her. I chose her. I picked her. And I wasn't even looking for a kid. And I picked her and I chose her. She makes me mad sometimes. She is not always the best kid in the world. She does things sometimes that just irks me. But not one point ever, ever has she stopped being my daughter. Never have I told her, you're not my daughter anymore. Never have I said, I wish I never adopted you. She's always always, no matter what she does, she can turn on me and hate me and she can do everything in the world against me, but she'll never stop being my daughter. It's a gift I gave her. I'm going to ask you to to stand this morning. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. No looking around just for a moment. We're not, I'm not going to ask anybody to come to the front, but I just want you to close your eyes. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I I want this. I want this gift called salvation. I want to be saved. I want to know. I want to know that it's a gift. I want, I want to know where my eternity is. I want to know that I'm in right standing with God. I want all these things that you talked about this morning. I want that in my life. I want to walk out of this place knowing that I've, I've set a security in my eternity and my eternity starts now. My eternity starts today. If that's you and you say, you know what? I want salvation right now. I want to accept it. I want you to slip your hand up and you put it right back down. Come on, come on, hands, come on, there's several hands going up. Wow, wow put your hands down I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me say it out loud and and mean this with your heart, Jesus I accept you I accept you as my Savior I ask you God to forgive me of my sins cast them as far as east is to the west God but more than that I ask you to redeem me Redeem my mind. Help me to lift up my head and see that you're God. So I give my life to you today. And I receive salvation. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, if you said that, and I'm so excited. My spirit's so excited because some of the hands that I saw go up because nothing excites me more than to know that, that you've given God an option to take over your life. And everything that I said this morning, it applies to you now. Okay? It is now past tense. Past tense. You have been saved. So now your, your souls is going to be being saved. And your bodies one day, praise God, is going to be saved. And we start a whole new life. And that's because of the grace of God. Because God is so big. He's so big. Amen. He's so big. He loves us so much. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. There's no one like you, God. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to the Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.